0: Welcome back to the Indo Techno Podcast, Season 3, Episode 24. I'm Alan Hallowell, Venture Partner at Leading Early Stage Indonesian VC, AC Ventures, and founder of startup consultancy Gizmo Advisors. Driven by growing global population and consumers who are making more sustainable and health-conscious food choices, the market for plant-based protein and alternative meat is forecast to increase from $4.6 billion in 2018 to an eye-popping $85 billion by 2030. One of the many benefits of going plant-based includes the claim that plant-based food cultivation involves 93% less land and water usage. Moreover, next-generation plant-based meat, egg, and dairy products are increasingly competitive with animal products on taste, price, and accessibility. Today, we're extremely pleased to have join us Helga Chajadi, founder of Green Rebel, an Indonesian-born food tech startup making plant-based beef, chicken, and cheese. Thanks for joining us, Helga.
1: Thank you for having me, Ellen. Hi.
0: Let's start with a very basic question. Why have you chosen this category as the focus of your entrepreneurial energy?
1: I guess it had something to do with my passion. I became vegetarian when I was 15. I did it for my health. At that time, I was struggling with some health conditions, and I read some books that recommended a whole food plant-based diet. I gave it a try, and then within two years, my health conditions improved to the point that the health conditions that used to really bother me never came back. And I guess that's the start where I became very passionate about healthy plant-based food. And then I met my partner both in business and life in the Netherlands when we went to college together. He was such a big meat eater. There was a documentary that kind of related meat consumption with climate change. And he went vegan overnight. And we started cooking for ourselves because we were both foodies. And our non-vegan friends really liked the foods that we made for ourselves and they were saying that hey i could be vegetarian if i eat food that tastes like this every day i guess that was the start you can say that we felt called to return to indonesia our home country to promote healthy and sustainable diet in the form of delicious food because i think taste is what's most important for a lot of people when they think about what food they want to eat at that moment
0: what a fantastic origin story This leads me to my next question, which is what is your vision for plant-based foods in Indonesia?
1: I think we would like to change the perception around plant-based food and plant-based protein. A lot of people, and especially a lot of Indonesians, thought that eating plant-based food is bland. It's something that when you can't afford meat, then you eat plant protein, such as tempeh and tofu, which is a big part of our ancestral diet. And we want to change that. We want to normalize plant-based food to become an integral part of urban consumer's diet. And when they eat plant-based food, it has to be delicious. It has to be practical. And they don't feel like they're missing anything. And yeah, I guess with that, I think comes a lot of market education that is needed to really highlight the health and environmental benefits of eating a predominantly plant-based diet.
0: Absolutely. Now, Hopefully, most of us are well aware that reasons for focusing on plant-based foods include the benefits that it can bring to the planet, the environment, the climate, as you mentioned, ourselves. Can you share with us any particularly persuasive facts and figures supporting these claimed benefits?
1: Yes, actually there are many, but I think some of the massive health benefits associated with a healthy plant-based diet is one, it's shown to drastically reduce risk of early death from multiple causes diabetes, heart attack, stroke, cancer, high blood pressure, kidney failure, and many more. And eating a ferrite plant-based foods improves gut health, which is associated with longevity, maintaining healthy weight, healthy skin, balancing mood, and preventing a lot of diseases and actually help reversing some of the diseases. It's shown to improve your focus and reduce risk of dementia. And actually, there was a very interesting research by Harvard, I think it was four years ago, that swapping your rat meat to legumes or legume-based protein adds years to your life. And I think there are many other benefits. Some of the books that I highly recommend you to dig in, which covers extensively these topics, How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. It's absolutely an amazing book. Fiber Fueled by Dr. Wilby. That really covers a lot of gut health and how eating plant-based food helps your microbiome and Blue Zones by Dan Buettner. And I think that touches a lot about longevity.
0: So a real panoply of reasons there. Now, our positioning, not surprisingly, is as a champion of Asian plant-based foods. Now, beyond elements such as the time zone we're in and serve and the tastes and types of foods unique to the region, how else does it mean to be an Asian player in the plant-based category?
1: For us, when we say we are positioning ourselves as a meat alternative design for Asian taste buds, first, we focus on flavor profiles. All of our flavored meats are focusing or inspired by authentic Southeast Asian flavors. We're championing beefless rendang. Rendang is one of the most famous beef curry in Indonesia. Green curry from Thailand. Chicken karage from Japan. Those very authentic Asian profiles. And then... The product itself, when we decided to focus on whole cut meats, because basically we feel like the gap in the market is a lot of Asian cooking involves a lot of high moisture cooking, such as hot pot, braised beef, which takes hours of slow cooking methods. And a lot of times the plant-based meat that is available in the market comes minced and it's not optimized for these types of cooking. The taste, the texture, and the shapes are designed to be versatile in different types of Asian cooking. It withstands heat. When you put it in hot pot, as a part of shabu, the texture stays intact. And I think the other thing that is important for us is sourcing ingredients from the region, from Asia. We're very happy to say that some of our key ingredients are coming from Indonesia.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for that. Now... Is there a specific gap that Green Rebel is filling in the plant-based food market in Indonesia?
1: I think in Indonesia, a lot of plant-based cooking revolves around tofu and tempeh, which we have been eating for centuries. And the meat alternative that comes in the form of beef alternative and chicken alternative with similar texture and taste and the way it's cooked is meant to be an alternative to the animal protein. And yeah, the gap is really having that meat alternative format and texture that goes well with Indonesian and Asian cooking. The product itself is specifically designed for different types of Indonesian cooking.
0: Gotcha. So it's not just we're having one monolithic approach, an impossible burger, but we're actually localizing it significantly. Great. So I wanted to ask you what unique technologies we rely upon to create plant-based foods, and how much of it is self-developed, and how much of it is licensed?
1: We developed the technology in-house over many years. We actually started our entrepreneurial journey by opening the first modern plant-based F&B chain in Indonesia, and initially we were developing meat alternatives for our own restaurant use before we decided to spin that off under a different brand name, Green Rebel in 2020. And there are two key elements to our technology. One is texturization process. We develop a process to texturize non-GMO soy and mushrooms to create fibrous meat and chicken texture. And the second element is what we call Rebel Emulsion, and that's basically a proprietary formulation combining sustainable source coconut oil with some other ingredients to create that juiciness and flavor of Beef or chicken, depending on which alternative or meat we want to create. And by combining those, we are able to create the whole cut of meat or chicken texture in the form of like steak, chunks, slices, and many more.
0: Really impressive. So not only are we not a copy paste solution from other plant based food markets, but we do have a lot of very interesting indigenous innovation that we're bringing to bear, uh, which is very encouraging. Now, Are there any specific reasons why Indonesia in particular might be a strategic market for creating a new generation of plant-based food?
1: Yes, I think there are a couple. From ingredient perspective, we are both Indonesians. Obviously, it's very easy for us to start from our home country. But I think Indonesia is blessed with So many ingredients, high quality plant source ingredients from different types of mushrooms, different types of legumes, herbs that I imagine would be pretty expensive if you want to source from other countries. Turmeric, ginger, galangal, it's grown in our backyard. We are very excited to be able to play along with many different ingredients. And second of all, I think from the market perspective, Indonesia is the largest consumer market in Southeast Asia with a growing young middle class population. And our ancestral diet is semi vegetarian diet, or maybe what we call now vegetarian diet. Eating a right source of protein, mostly from plants, isn't something that is super foreign for Indonesians. It's just that we have to adapt to the way urban consumers' taste bud has grown and really developing flavors and textures that they like.
0: Fascinating. Now, I wanted to move on to another aspect of our business. What in your mind is the secret to building a successful consumer brand in Indonesia in 2022?
1: I can share what I think it is, and it may change because given my experience, I've been in the FMCG industry for pretty much only two years. I'm sure there are many things that I will learn along the way. But I think for us, the key is really to be customer-centric. Our product innovation, ideation of new flavors, product improvements, pricing, where we place our products has to follow what consumers prefer. And we try to make it very easy for consumers to get in touch with us as a brand. They can contact us via Instagram, via our restaurant, via our customer service or representatives. And we really collect those feedback and take action based on the customer feedback that we have gotten over the years. I think that's really the key, to really follow the customers and focus on satisfying them every day more and more.
0: Very difficult to argue with that modus operandi. Now, Helga, I'm really impressed. We have a number of household names such as Starbucks, IKEA, and Domino's as customers. Can you share with us what customer we are most excited about and why?
1: I think I'm equally excited about the many customers Green Rebel works with. But I guess if I can pick a few that have a very interesting angle, IKEA is one. IKEA has this global mandate to convert 80% of their meal offerings to be plant-based by 2025. And it's really pushed from sustainability angle. And it's shown through the way they execute. If you go to any IKEA, and especially if you go to IKEA Indonesia, you would see that the plant-based menu offerings are really highlighted, which makes it easy for consumers to see the products, to be attracted to the format, and just take it. In fact, we just recently rolled out these new products in IKEA chicken karage, and mushroom soup, and it's displayed where the customer starts their journey when they go into the IKEA restaurant, and that's how it's bought and tried by many people, which I believe wasn't considering health or environment. They just liked it when they saw it very accessible. I think the second client that we are very excited about is Abu ba Steakhouse. It's one of the largest steakhouses in Indonesia with 30 outlets. They have this legendary Abubas steak, which they created uh, about 20 years ago. And basically, they work with us to recreate the exact replica of the menu with the same form, with the same sauce. People can actually try their legendary sauce with the plant-based steak. And I think Starbucks, of course, because Starbucks has such a big reach. With Starbucks having this meatless Joe, everyone can try And hopefully, if they like it, that they have a positive association about plant-based products, and they will be inclined to try it more often.
0: Now, Helga, many of the foreign members of our audience are quite familiar with names such as Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. These are two players in the plant-based business overseas. And I assume a large proportion of these listeners have tried at least a few plant-based foods from these brands or others. Where is Indonesia? in terms of its embrace of plant-based foods and its penetration into the everyday diet?
1: I think Indonesians, on average, are very used to eating plant protein, although it's in the form of tempeh and tofu and other legumes. Meat alternatives is something new. And right now, we are in this early stage of introducing meat alternatives as a partial replacement for animal protein, or consumers can see this as another type of plant protein, which is exciting and can come in flavors or the way meat is cooked. I think we are early when it comes to meat alternatives adoption, but we have been eating plant protein since many decades ago. And I think Indonesia, they love good food. The key is really to create taste and texture that they like and are familiar with. And I believe adoption of plant-based eating, or at least a predominantly plant-based, is something that Indonesians embrace.
0: Understood. Now, you've mentioned much of our expansive menu at Green Rebel already. What are the true go-to products in the Indonesian market? And how do we plan to expand this menu of ours going forward?
1: Right now, our key products or the best sellers in both Indonesia and Singapore is beefless rendang, which is like a meatless steak of one of the most delicious foods from Indonesia. There is a balini sweet soy satay, which is also popular across markets. And the new one was chicken karaage, which is like our meatless steak on fried chicken.
0: God, uh, it's, I'm here in California. We're edging up on 8 p.m. And I think I'm ready for another meal after all of these mouthwatering descriptions. Now, <laughs> up, what has been the most challenging area of expansion? Has it, for instance, been dealing with decades old distribution networks and expanding wholesale and retail points? Or is it something entirely different?
1: I think the most challenging area in this side of the world is market education. The health benefits and environmental benefits are not known by the mainstream population. We have to balance educating the market without being too preachy and really induce trial for Asian consumers. And honestly, in Asia, it's the primary driver more than environment for adoption to plant proteins and plant-based products. I think second of all is convincing some of the customers that have tried plant-based meat and they weren't happy with their first experience, we have to convince them to give it a try again. And hopefully when they try Green Rebel, they like the taste profile and the texture and they can integrate that as part of their daily diet. And then third, I think this is a case everywhere, a challenge everywhere, the rising cost of logistics. It's highly related to the logistics disruptions happening globally and yeah, unfortunately, that adds to the cost as a selling price to consumers. I think balancing those market education, managing costs, and induced trial to consumers that have been disappointed when they tried mid-alternatives are the three key challenges, I, I believe.
0: Understood. Now, Hilka, how do plant-based foods price against traditional alternatives in Indonesia? And do you expect that relative price point to change at all?
1: Yes. I think when it comes to beef and beef alternative, beef alternatives in Indonesia are on par with high quality beef or imported beef. It is about 30 to 40% higher than the local factory farm beef. And I think a lot of Indonesian consumers are open to trying the beef alternatives because the prices aren't different than the high quality beef that they typically consume. And... When it comes to chicken, that's where the price range is a bit high because chicken feed is heavily subsidized in Indonesia. And the chicken alternatives prices here are about on par with organic free-range chicken, but it is about twice the price of factory farm chicken. And of course, I think for most meat alternatives companies, the goal is really to eventually reach price parity but it's going to take some time because it has something to do with the scale of uh, the plant protein or plant-based meat factories itself the higher the demand the bigger the production batch the lower the selling price is eventually and also i think with the climate change that is happening and it's affecting factory farms of animal agriculture the prices of animal-based protein is going to increase as well and i think we have seen this happening in some countries in europe i think Eventually, it will reach that prosperity.
0: Understood. Now, Helga, I wanted to spend some time on the criticisms we've come across in the space in preparing for our session. Some of our global peers have seen rising skepticism over various parts of their business, from a lack of transparency around actual ingredients to emissions and the broader environmental impact from their operations. They will cite, for instance, that the agriculture industry produces a third of the world's greenhouse gases linked to human activity, is a primary driver of deforestation, and uses as much as 70% of the world's freshwater supply. How do you think about these and other criticisms?
1: I guess it is true that agriculture is one of the primary drivers of climate change. But if you look deeper and more detail to the data, a lot of those greenhouse gas emissions, land use, water use, causes of ocean acidification is highly associated with animal agriculture. We didn't touch on environmental benefits of plant-based foods, but actually if you look at our world in data, there has been research that shows that plant source protein has 10x to 50x lower emissions than animal-based protein. And there have been many environmental journals, I remember. If we convert the land use for animal agriculture to growing plant-based food, we can fit an additional 4 billion human population on earth and potentially convert up to 25% land use back to forests, which is really good for biodiversity and of course stabilize the carbon emission. And then there was a research done by Patrick Brown and Professor Michael B. Essen, if I'm not mistaken. Basically, that research finds that rapid global phase out of animal agriculture has the potential to stabilize greenhouse gas emission for 30 years and offset 68 percent of co2 emissions in this century those research are available maybe it's the homework for the people who are involved in agrofood business and startups to translate this information for the consumers in the language that consumers understand but I do agree there needs to be a transparency from agriculture or agrofood companies for consumers to be able to choose more mindfully about what kind of food they want to put on their table.
0: That puts it really into perspective. We are acting on the same stage as traditional agriculture, but we're doing it in such a way that is far more efficient, less taxing resources, such as water, contributes to less emission. We're actually turning a lot of those criticisms on their head. Now, Helga, can you tell us about our supply chain And how it compares and contrasts with that of traditional food manufacturers in Indonesia?
1: I guess when we talk about agriculture food or agriculture companies, it's very wide. I can't tell you what we do in the company. And I don't know how would that compare to each of specific agrofood in the country. This is what we do differently. First of all, I think we are sourcing the ingredients within the region and mindfully. Our main ingredients are based on non-GMO soy and shiitake mushroom and white button mushroom that is sourced from Indonesia and other Asian countries. And we typically choose the sustainably sourced whenever that option is possible. Like GMO soy is obviously cheaper than the non-GMO soy, but we have decided to choose the non-GMO soy. And we use sustainably sourced coconut oil from Indonesia. And we are really highlighting the importance of using whole foods as the base ingredient for our meat alternatives. And for all the products that we produce, we do a life cycle assessment. Basically, the life cycle assessment is this research where it looks at the carbon emission that is produced through the food supply chain. And we compare that with the meat counterpart. For example, our rendang was compared to local beef rendang. And those research, which shows how beef alternative has 90% less global warming potential because of the reasons you have shared before. And chicken is typically about 70% less global warming potential. Chicken alternative has 70% lower global emissions compared to chicken. Basically, these are the base where we talk to consumers about. This is part of our packaging. And we can say that we are trying to be more transparent to consumers by using scientific data to really say our environmental impact in comparison to the animal meat counterparts.
0: I think you've already largely answered this question in your answer just now, but what percent of our supply chain is in Indonesia?
1: The products are 100% produced in Indonesia. The ingredients are about 60% local and 40% sourced from other Asian countries, but it's all sourced within the region.
0: Understood. Now, Helga, what are Green Rebels' expansion plans?
1: This year, and actually next year, we are focusing on regional expansion, Asia Pacific. This April, we have launched in Singapore, food service channels. And in September, just last week actually, our retail products are launched into the supermarket chain called Fair Price Finance. In Singapore and in November, we're launching into new markets, Malaysia and Philippines, and South Korea by December. And hopefully by Q1 next year, our products can be available in Australia.
0: Totally going to hunt down your products in Singapore. Now, Helga, I did not want to let you go without asking you to tell us something that few people know about you.
1: I'm a dedicated mother of three dogs, whom I raise on a whole food plant-based diet.
0: Oh, that is so cool. We have a lot of dogs in our family. I can't say that we do that, but we're going to take this offline. I want to see if you can share some tips with us. Helga, it's super impressive the progress the Green Rebel has made after a mere 2.5 years. I really enjoyed hearing of your customer proof points such as Ikea and Starbucks, and frankly, deeply appreciate all of the interesting facts and figures that you came armed with. We're really hoping to see Green Rebel maintain its leadership in educating the Indonesian markets of the benefits of plant-based foods. Thanks again for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Alan. Have a good day.
0: We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Endotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi.